want to just jump right into it today. I'm called The Vow. And I, want, I just want to start it off with a series of questions. Um, and they're kind of tough questions to swallow, but just, just let's think through these real quick. Why, why do some couples grow old together while other couples grow apart? Why, why do some couples, um, why do, how do they learn to forgive easily and readily and make it through and others just hold bitter grudges against one another? Why do some couples talk while other couples just simply walk? Why, why do some marriages work and other marriages don't? Well, obviously there's a lot of answers to all those questions, but I want us to think about that as we dive off into all this. I, I don't know um, if you've noticed or not, and I'm sure you have, that because we've all know somebody or, or we've been there ourselves where a marriage or a, a long-standing relationship has broken apart or we know somebody that's had a divorce and we've, been, we've seen that, we know the pain of that. And um, so we, we know that, that, that relationships are tough. I mean, they just are, they're tough. Even when the best of ones are, are tough. And, and part of the reason that it's so difficult for um, for us to know how to navigate relationships is that we haven't seen many great relationships modeled sort of around us. Here's what a lot of us grew up with. Um, some of you will be able to relate to this. Do, do unto others as they deserve to be done unto. Can I get an amen on that one, right? Not really. It's not, it's not good. But anyways, yes, that's exactly right. Um, or, or do unto others as your current mood would have it. Uh, or do unto others so as to get them to see things your way. Come on, I like that's, that's my favorite right there. Do unto others until you wear them down over time until they see things your way. Or here's my favorite of all, do unto others before they do it to you. Come on, amen, somebody? Not, no, not amen again. And then you add to that our culture, especially the sort of media, Hollywood-driven culture, which seems to, at least from the outside, have a very low threshold of pain relationally. Like, it doesn't take much pain um, for folks out in the media to, to decide, I'm done. I'm out of here. We're not compatible. Or like, time out. Like, like, gone are the days where I do means I do, and I'm going to just keep doing it whether I like it or not because that's what I said I was going to do, right? That, that day is sort of gone. It just doesn't take much pain for folks to just sort of bail out on relationships, Plus, then in our culture, the message that you and I get every single day, we see it all the time in every show just about, and everything around us, is that if you're not happy in your current relationship, it's because you're with the wrong person, right? Like, it, you chose poorly, so you need to re-choose, and you need to get out, and you need to start over and, and because you chose poorly. And if you just keep moving from relationship to relationship to re- relationship, eventually, after there's like a, a, a series of 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 relational baggage in your past, you'll, find, you'll finally find your soulmate. That's the message that we hear over and see over and over again. And then you add to all of that bad news, the, the, the sort of data that's out there as it relates to marriages. And it doesn't matter which book you read or which article you read, they, they vary wildly um, in terms of the, 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 the data for successful marriages, but none of it is like the best sort of news ever. There's, the, the statistics are not in um, our favor, and, and with the odds being what they are, with all of that, just what we just said there, I would argue that the reason that a lot of marriages are struggling is because so often people aren't actually spiritually prepared to live in a marriage that honors God, that puts God first. 
And, but now, in spite of all of that, which was like not ideally the, the, the way to start a series, but we did it anyways. Um, in spite of all that, if you ask me, is a God-honoring marriage, is a strong marriage, is a healthy marriage, a fun, exciting marriage, is that possible? Given all that's sort of working against us, I would say emphatically, absolutely, and completely, yes, it is. But it's not very likely if we follow the path that so many other people are following. Because as we've taught in the beginning of the year, every path has a destination, right? Not, not what your wishes are, not what your intentions are, but every path has a destination. And if we continue to follow the path that everybody else is on, it leads to bad outcomes, and we've seen that. So if you want to get a different result than the rest of the world, we have to do some things differently than the rest of the world. So here, here's another truth I want to give you. And that's this. When you're young, you fall in love most of the time because of attraction, right? That's how it starts, right? But here's the other truth. You stay in love because you come up with a plan. You fall in love because she's pretty, she smells like cherry blossoms, he looks like that, his muscles are good at Gold's Gym or whatever, I don't know what it is, like whatever the attractional is, like he takes amazing selfies now, like that's the new thing I suppose, I don't know. Like, they look way better on the picture than they actually did in the person, but that's a whole other thing, right? But, but, but here's the truth. You're going to stay in love. You're going to stay together. You're going to grow stronger because you have a plan. You start doing the right things. Here, here's what I know is that falling in love, all you need for that is a pulse, right? Come on, amen on that? You just kind of need a pulse. Like, if you're breathing and your, your heart's working, you probably can fall in love. But if you want to stay together, um, it requires a plan. If you want a better marriage, or if you're single and you want to have a good, healthy relationship with somebody, you're going to have to work at it. Yes or no, right? Now, we don't want to just be in a relationship. We don't want to just survive the years like, wow, we made it into our golden age. You know, we're all bedraggled and tired and worn out from it, but, right? We want to be in love, man. We want to have a great marriage. You, you, ever, you ever see... Um, older people um, just still in love. Right? I was in Hawaii a couple of years ago um, for the wedding of uh, some friends of ours. Um, actually, the young lady who was singing, her dad. Um, and, and I was down, at, they put us in this hotel and we, we were staying and I went down to the pool area and I saw these four couples, probably in their mid-70s, and they were laughing and they were cutting up and they were having the best time. And I thought two things. Number one, man, I hope I have the kind of friendships that last till that time to where we actually want to go hang out in Hawaii or wherever together. And then I thought, it is possible. I was so inspired. It is possible to have a marriage that starts when you're a kid and, and, and grows all the way into your golden years. That is possible. In spite of everything we see, it's possible. But, let, but make no mistake about it. Those don't happen by accident. They take a plan. They take work. They take sacrifice. It takes dedication. It takes priority. It takes a reshuffling of priorities. And so... Today, we're going to be talking about, for the next three weeks, about the vow. Three specific vows that we hope that you'll take with us to keep your marriages, if you're married, strong. If you're not married, but you hope to be married someday, to, to prepare you for that. If you're like, I don't care about marriage or whatever, maybe it'll be a, a great way for you to relate to your your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend. I don't, just use it. Use it for something. Your cat, your dog, like... Whatever, your fish, like use it. So three vows we're going to make. Number one is the vow of priority. Number two, the vow 
of pursuit, which we're gonna, is going to be a blast next week. You don't want to miss that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then thirdly, the vow of partnership. There's something so powerful about vows that most everybody I know, when you got married, you took some. Yes or no, right? Whether you went down to the JP or whether you went to a pastor or whether your, your best friend got ordained on some online thing so you could do your wedding, that's a thing now too. Like whatever, you, you took some vows. And vows are powerful, but only when you really see them for what they are. Now the Bible's word for vow is the word covenant. Covenant. And covenant is different than what we see in culture now where it's like, as soon as you stop meeting my needs, I'll go on to the next one. It's, I'll trade you in for a newer model. Like It's different than that. Covenant is a sacred pledge between you and God and, and, and somebody else. It, it's a solemn oath. It's, it's an expression of the heart. It shall be so. It's not transactional. It's not a, it's not a, a, a contract. It's, it's when two people get married, they don't make a bargain. They, they make a covenant in God's eyes. Like, like when, I, when I, I remember when we got married 20 years ago, by the way, 20 years ago, just FYI. Um, by the way, growth track's going on. That's where my wife is. They're over there having growth track right now. And if you missed that, you can do it the next time it comes back around. But when we got married, they, we took vows. And I remember it was something like this. I, Danny, take you, Rachel, to be, to have and to hold. And then do you, you remember the next line? From this day forward. Remember that line? I love that line. Because I think there's a lot of hope in that line. Because what that line says to me is when you're standing there, it doesn't matter what the past has looked like. It doesn't matter the struggles of yesterday. It doesn't matter whatever. It just means that from this day forward, from today, we have the chance to get it right. And I would say this to you, whether you're married today, whether you're single today, whether your relationship is like good or bad or it's, it's complicated, that's a new one, that's a new category. Like whatever it is that you could decide, you could make a decision today from this day forward, things can be different. Things will be different. And today we're going to talk about the vow of priority. Now, we all know that, that, that priorities matter. Like if you're a parent, you are doing your best to teach your kids about priorities and you're trying to get them, especially when they get to be teenagers, you're trying to get them to see that, hey, listen, I know you love sports and I know you love boys and I, love, I know you love girls, but your, your schoolwork, your, it matters and you're trying to get them to prioritize their schoolwork. And if you're a dad of girls, you're like, you're really concerned about that because I will bust a cap in you. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I'll help you have good priorities, you know? Not my daughter, but you know, anybody else. But anyways, all the boys are like, oh dear God, he's gonna, anyways, but um, not really. Um, but we really, we, but here's the thing about us as adults a lot of times, and kids, I hate to tell you this, but sometimes we don't get our priorities right either. Sorry to do that to your parents. But priorities are so important, and, and it's not important to have the priorities, but it's important to keep the priorities, right? And, and, and because it's easy to say what our priorities are, but the most accurate way that we can determine what, what really matters to us isn't based on our words, it's based on what we actually do. It's based on how we actually live. And, and, and it's often said that you can tell a person's real priorities by their calendar and what they spend their money on, right? So it's not what we say matters most because all of us would say, hey, God's first or my marriage is first or my relationship, my kids. But, but what happens really is at the end of the day, what do you spend your time and your money and your talent and your energies on? That shows what matters most. So when we think about marriage and we think about God, the God who created the marriage, like that whole idea, that was his deal from the very beginning, right? 
He gives us this foundational rule for marriage right out of the gate. In Genesis chapter 2, here's what he says, verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become what? One flesh. Underline the word the, uh, leaves, parents, because it's an important word for us to get tr- to our kids someday. Like, leave. Like, like that says, God said it. Leave. Right? Anyways, uh, I just want to throw that out there. Maybe a plaque or something would be appropriate in the, in the living room. or Just underline leave. Put a box around it, whatever. But, but listen, when the Bible says that we leave our father and mother, the reason it says that is because that's our primary relationship through our childhood and our young adulthood. That's the foundational relationship. But it says there comes a moment where that now has to become second or third or it becomes a different point, which parent, as a parent, I hate that idea, but it's true. And you leave and you, you reprioritize your life to the extent that you now, he says, cleave, that's the old King James, you cleave to your spouse. You leave and you cleave. That, that should be a bumper sticker, right? I, I like it. I've never said that before. I didn't say that in any other services today, but I like it. You leave and you cleave, right? And, and your spouse comes first when it comes to your human relationships, right? That's the vow of priority. And I, I believe you have a 100% chance of having a successful marriage if both of you would say yes to the vow of priority because God doesn't set an institution like marriage up and then go, half of you are going to fail, Right? He doesn't do that. Hey, good luck with that. Right? No, he gives us a plan, and he's like, hey, if you'll, if you'll follow the plan, you can and you will succeed, and it will be awesome. But there are two priorities that I want to focus in on today. The, the first one I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because we've already talked about it already this year. But the first vow is the vow to prioritize my relationship with God. Now, of course, you expect me to say that, but it's true because all of the good things that happen to us in life flow from this thing because the Bible says that every good and perfect thing comes from above. All the good stuff comes from above. So it'd be natural for me to say, God is my number one and my spouse or significant other is my number two. It starts there because when you give God your first and your best, he blesses the rest. Listen to me. When you give God your first and your best, whether that's money, time, energy, relationship, whatever it is, he will bless the rest. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter six. He says, but seek first, underline first in your notes, circle that, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, he's been talking about the things that matter to us in life. He said, don't be pursuing those and neglect this. Pursue this and all of that stuff will come to you. It'll be given to you. You won't have to, you don't have to fight and scrap for everything. It'll be given to you. God is your one, and if you're married, your spouse is your two. Matter of fact, when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important commandment, Jesus? Do you know what he says? He doesn't say, you shall love your spouse with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That he could have said that. It would have been good. But he didn't say that. He said in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's if you're married, but if you're, if you're single, here's what I want to tell you. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Like while I'm single, my energy, because here's what culture is going to tell you, that your life doesn't matter until you get find the one. Disney movies, come on, everybody, right? The princess movies, you're a frog. I saw that last night, it was on TV. And the frog turns into, you know, whatever. He's like rescuing the voodoo stuff. I don't even know, it was all in New Orleans. I've never seen that one before. I didn't even know that one existed. Anyways, but it's all, 
Anybody know what I'm saying? The princess and the frog or something like this? Like, anyways. It was really weird, but anyways. But it's all set up to tell you, your life doesn't really count until you find the one. And so you spend all your formative years trying to find the one. But you miss the most important thing, which is you already have the one. You're just looking for your two right now. Right? So you focus in on the one. You honor God. You give him first. You give him the best. And you seek his kingdom first. And then he says, hey, listen, I got your back. I'll add you the one. I'll, I'll, everything you're looking for, I'm going to add that to your life. But if you mess this up and you put all your energy into trying to find the one, all of your hopes and dreams are tied up and got to find the one. Disney pr- princess movies, right? Sorry, Disney. You're, I'm sure you're making a lot of money without me to helping you today, right? But, but, but it ends up in a bad result. So Andy Stanley, pastors in, in, in uh, Atlanta, North Point Church, he tells this story, and I remember reading it years ago. And I just want to read it to you. He says, there's this young girl in his church who was very committed Christian as a high schooler. But she went off to college, and she did what a lot of college students do. And she, she first sort of started hanging around the wrong people. And the next thing you know, she's partying hard. And, and then alcohol turned into drugs, and drugs turned into guy after guy after guy after guy. And she was really living this sort of destructive um, lifestyle. In the back of her mind the whole, the whole time, she was just sort of reckoning, well, I'm, I love God. I believe in God. I'll give him my life back. I'm, I'm just doing my college thing, and I'll go back but I'm gonna, I'll eventually find the right person to marry him, but right now I just wanna have fun and do my thing. Well, one day, she, she, after years have passed of this, she, she finds that she meets this guy, and, and this guy is like everything she ever hoped to marry. She, she's not dating him, she just met him, and she was like, wow, this guy's amazing. He's godly, he's a terrific leader, he's making a difference, he had a career, like he wasn't addicted to PlayStation 4, right? He, he, he was discipling other guys, and so she calls her mom, she goes, mom, I met the best guy ever, like he's the perfect guy, he's like everything, he's godly, he's perfect, he's the guy I wanna marry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to you know, make a move on him, or whatever, and, and her mom, just brutally honest, says, well, sweetheart, you need to know that a guy like that isn't looking for a girl like you. How many of you would be like, you're, you're cut out of the wheel, mom? <laughs> Even though it's in reverse, you're cut out. Um, but mom's telling the truth, probably. So if you're single today, you're looking to become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Right? Another famous Andy Stanley quote. Qu- question to single folks today, I'm not picking on you, but I just want to help you think through this. Are you the kind of person that the kind of person you're looking for is looking for, like, like so if you were to sit down and make a list of all the traits and all the qualities and all the things you hope that's not part of their past or that they're not addicted to PlayStation 4 or, or you know, or some other thing, right? It, what, what, think about this, like this is your ideal person. What if they have a list? Are you on the list? And, and, and not to put, make you feel hopeless, but at least are you, are you trying to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Or are you just playing this game of someday I'm gonna magically run into, mysteriously, providentially, just meet the right person and life is gonna be perfect from this day forward? Because that's, you're smoking something. That's all I'm saying, you're smoking something. It's <laughs> not how it works. You gotta try to become the person that you're looking for is looking for. And that starts with, God, you're my number one while I'm preparing myself to meet my number two, while you're preparing my number two for me, Right? Those of you who are married, now let me talk to you again. When you get this out of order, where 
your whole life is like, they're the greatest, they're perfect, I love them so much that they, they meet all my needs, they're, they're, they're all that I ever hoped for and wished for. And that, that's a great sentiment. But when you get God like less than your spouse, like where God is number two or three or four or 10, right? Let me tell you what happens. And those of you who've been married a while, you're gonna know that I'm telling you the truth. You start out idolizing them, but you're gonna end up demonizing them. Because anytime you put something above God, that's an idol. That's what the Bible teaches. That's called idolatry. What you're saying is, I'm putting so much pressure on this person to meet my needs, to fill the voids in my life, to be everything for me. They can't do that. And when they fail to do that, you'll go from idolizing to demonizing it. And I'll tell you how it works. All right, those of you married, you're gonna crack up a little bit and you're gonna, you're gonna get tickled. And those of you who are single, you're gonna go, nah, he's not really telling the truth. The very thing that you find so cute about their quirkiness, about all their little idiosyncrasies, you're like, oh, mom, it's not that big a deal. It's really cute how he does that, blah, blah, blah. That's gonna be the thing that you're gonna demonize them for later down the road. Come on, amen, somebody. You better preach with me now, come on. I don't know what, I don't know what just happened there, but I just felt something. I've seen people do that on TV, like, oh, like they felt God or something, I don't know. So I'm going with it. I felt God right there. Um, something, I felt something. Um, like, nobody's gonna complete you. I just wanna let you know that. I know that that's a good sentiment, but it's not true. They're awesome, they're amazing, they can't fill the voids that God was made to fill in your life. They cannot do that, and when you do that to them, you're actually setting them up to fail you, because they will fail you, I promise you that. Now. So God is number one in our lives. Now, when it comes to our human relationships, this is the second vow that we're gonna make. That if you're married now, or if you're single and you hope to get married, I know that doesn't mean, that's not everybody, and that's cool. But if you hope to be, your marriage, when you get one, or when you, when you are in one, has to be the priority above all other human relationships. Now, most of you are probably on board with what I just said there. You're like, I don't know if I can do it, but I probably agree that God should be first in my life. This one, you're gonna push back on me, but hang with me. Just think with me for a little bit. Now, most of the time when you get married, it starts out that way. You know, it's just you and her. You left mom and dad home, you know, and they're like crying, and, but now you're in a new place, and, you know, it's awesome. And when you're first married, they are the priority. It's just the natural way of things. But time starts to happen. Life starts to happen. Circumstance has the way of making, and it happens to everybody. Listen to me. It happens to everybody. It has a way of making us drift a little bit, right? And before long, other things and even other people, children, um, start to take the priority in our marriages, and when that happens, there's this sort of natural jealousy that occurs. Now, I know that in our culture, even Christian culture, we say, you know, you're not supposed to be jealous. But the Bible would teach us that there is a legitimate jealousy that God puts inside of us as it relates to our marriage relationships only, right? The Bible says that God is a jealous God, meaning that whenever we put something above him, that he knows the end road of that, and it makes him jealous, right? He calls that idolatry. We've already said that. But in marriages, spouses can have that same type of legitimate jealousy. Now, let me explain to you. Let me, let me paint a picture for you. Um, so a man and a woman get married. They, they, they love each other. They're into each other. They're doing things together. They, they share stuff together. It's awesome. Over time, they decide, hey, let's make some beautiful babies. They make some beautiful babies. And what happens, not every time, but oftentimes, the wife steps down from her number one priority, a wife, to become a mother, right, not understanding that you can actually do both very well, right? And she then sort of, just go with me here, she marries her children. Hang on, ladies, don't throw anything at me yet. Now, conversely, the husband steps down from his number one priority, which is 
being a husband, and in turn, he marries oftentimes his career or advancement or stuff or money, and he gets immersed into that so that for a wife to get to her husband, to, to have the kind of connection that they used to have, she has to fight through work stuff and meetings and late nights and travel, all of that stuff, right? And then for the husband to get to his wife in the way that they used to be connected when they were, you know, just, just the two of them, he has to no- negotiate around all the needs and, forgive me, children, but the greeds uh, of the children, right? And then you get this natural, it happens naturally, and it will always happen unless you fight against it. This marital drift that happens. And then you get that little bit of jealousy involved. You get that little bit of resentment involved. You got some anger. You got some, you got some contempt to roll into that sometimes. You throw in an attractive neighbor or coworker, or somebody at the gym or, or wherever, and you start to get problems. Now, trust me, 14, 15 years of, no, sorry, 20 years now of counseling with people. I, I've lost track of time. This is how it goes. Trust me on this. So in marriage... A husband or wife will naturally become jealous over whatever that thing is that starts to take first place. It could be her phone. could be his video games. Could be, I'm sorry, I'm going to step on everybody's toe now. could be the actual kids and the attention she gives the kids that she used to give to him, right? Listen, it's not always the bad things that wreck marriages. A lot of times it's good things that are just out of order, out of priority in life, right? Listen to me. From the guy who counsels lots of people, or has, I, I don't as much anymore, but used to, trust, it's not always she cheated on me or he cheated on me. A lot of times it's just things that you're like, why are we meeting? It's just little things that are normal parts of marriage that people have allowed to take over and become these nagging things that drive a wedge until they, they, they end up, they don't even know each other anymore. That's what I've heard. Like, I don't even know him anymore, Right? Those of you who have been married a while, you know that what I'm saying is true. And this is why all the data suggests that a lot of times marriages, the satisfaction level of marriages, uh, tends to drop when kids enter the picture. Not, 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 because of the, not, not because of the kids. The kids are like, we're just here because you brought us here. You know what I'm saying? We're just doing our thing. But because of the attention, the focus gets taken off the marriage and put on the kids. And then maybe uh, the husband goes, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go focus on my career. Or, or maybe it's nobody's fault. It, maybe it just happens naturally. So what happens is bogged down with the demands of, of, of work, raising kids, finances, growing responsibilities, couples will often place their marriage, listen to me, they'll often place their marriage and, and its maintenance and its health kind of on, eh, someday, we'll get back to that. But for right now, this season, we're just gonna focus on the kids and we're not gonna worry about our marriage. And that season turns into years. Listen to me, I'm telling you the truth. It turns into years. And, and, and so they're like, well, someday we'll get back to that. But you know what the result of this type of thinking is? Years later, they find that they're living with a roommate rather than their soulmate. Come on. It's for real. This is what happens. I, I, I remember reading an interview um, by a, a guy who was doing some work on, on this very thing. And he happened to be in a coffee shop. And he was trying to write and think through some stuff. And he heard these, this, these two ladies talking about raising kids and marriages and how it was hard to get it all right and to balance everything out. And so he says, hey, ladies, do you mind if I just ask you a few questions? He starts asking them questions. So when he's done, he's like, well, thank you guys so much. You've really helped me today. As he's walking out, one of the ladies says to him, hey, hey you know what? Um, I, I just I, kind of wistfully, I think I'm a great mom, but I don't think I'm a very good spouse. And he's like, Wow. And he thought about it some more. And the other one said something similar. 
Like, I think I'm a great mom, but I don't know if I'm doing a good job as a, as a spouse. And I think there were, there'd be a lot of parents who could echo that, that before they had kids, they were like, yes, and it was great, and it was good, and then they have kids, and then it just kind of drifts a little bit um, because the kids are awesome, and the kids are a gift from God, but we can just sort of drift, and they would say, I, I think I'm getting the parenting part of this right, especially early on, but I don't know if I'm getting the, the, the husband, the wife thing right. And I, I think that that brings up this, really important issue that we have to think about. If you're not married or if you're young married or if you're just getting started, you have to think about this. this is, it's an issue that's so prevalent now in our culture and it started really in the 60s um, and the 70s um, and I'm not gonna get into all that. I can't get into all the data about that but it's the issue of whether our homes are going to be uh, kid-centric or spouse-centric. Whether the marriage is gonna take the priority or the kids are going to take the priority? Where, where should all of the stuff that we do and all the scheduling that we do and all of our vacations and everything that we do, should it revolve around the kids? Or should my family be a spouse-centric unit where the marriage takes precedence, where the marriage is the ultimate priority? Like, how do we decide which one should be? And is it just seasonally or should it just always be the case? Now, I'm going to tell you what I believe, that the obvious from the scriptures, the obvious scriptural priority is the, in the family unit is going to be the marriage from the Bible. That marriage must take the priority over every other relationship inside your house. Now, I'm not talking about if there's an abusive thing going on where the husband's abusing kids or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm not, not talking. I'm talking about in normal relationships, right? That the focus needs to be on the marriage, because the purpose of parenting, according to the Bible, here it is, ready, write it down, ready, write it, write it down if you're taking notes. The point, the purpose of parenting is the, the process, whether that's 18 or 20 years or whatever, of teaching and cha- training your children to leave. Come on, somebody. Amen. Second service supported me a whole lot more than you guys are right now. I had somebody's on the second row, they were giving me lots of amens. Like, they're like, serious. Listen to me again. The purpose of parenting is the process, that that training ground of training your children how to leave. That's it. You're like, no, I don't know about that. Did you pull that out of the air, Danny? No, no, I pulled it out of the actual Bible. Here we go. Ready? Deuteronomy 6 and 7. You shall teach them diligently, them being the commandments of the Lord, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall take to, talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. So when you're going to bed, you talk to them about it. When you're driving to school, you talk to them about it. When you're sitting at the dinner table, you talk to them about it. You're training them. This is what God says. This is what God wants for you to do. He wants you to leave. Come on, somebody. Amen. What are you training them to do? Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should I got four moms that are with me right now. (laughs) The way he should go. And even when he's old, your training will not depart from him. And the way he should go, the path he should take, but the key word is go. All right, Genesis 2, 24 again. That's why a man, what? Leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. They leave. Here's the key note here. Children leave and parents stay. Come on, give me an amen on that one. That's a good one. So thus, the marriage should be at the top of the food chain, of the family food chain. The kids, you can't put them first because it will cause drift. 
The, the career can't be either because it causes drift. For a successful marriage to be successful, a husband and a wife have to find a way to avoid uh, falling into this trap by maintaining the right priorities. The only way we're ever gonna do this, guys, is by sacrifice. You can't be a single guy and just you happen to be married. You can't be, happen to be just single girl and you happen to be married. We're gonna just do all the same stuff we did before. No, you, you get to still have friends. You get to still have fun. You get to still have hobbies. But listen, they cannot trump, right, your family, your marriage relationship. They can't take the, the, the thing or you will drift. You might stay married, but you will drift. Listen to me. Here, here's why all this is true. Because in any relationship with your kids, with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, Time is the essential commodity. Listen to me. You'd say, no, no, love is. No, no. The way love is expressed is through time. It is. How much time I give to you, how much time I spend with you. That's the essential commodity of relationships. Time is. And time is fleeting. And time is vanishing. And time just moves. Everybody has the same 24 hours, but we use them differently. Some of us use them more successfully than others. And others are like, I don't have enough time. Yes, you do. Everybody has enough time. It's about priorities. Yes or no? Priorities. And once you've established the priorities, you got to protect them. Children are amazing. I don't want anybody leaving here thinking we're not pro-children. We are. I got two incredible kids that I love, that I adore, that I would do anything for other than put my wife second for them. I won't do that. I'll do anything for them. But again, listen to me. It's not bad things that generally speaking destroy the best relationships. It's good things oftentimes that are just out of priority. This includes working too much. This includes focusing and making all of life revolve around the kids' schedules. Listen, children are important. Children are a gift from God. But if you're married, now if you're not married, this, this doesn't apply necessarily. But if you're married and you want to love your kids well, prioritize the marriage that you, you have. Prioritize that. Let me, let me say it like this. I'm skipping some stuff here. Here's, here's what I know. And you've all seen this, and especially if you've been married a long time. One of the best ways that you can bless your kids is by loving amazingly your spouse. Because we've all seen this. Some of you have unfortunately maybe lived this. Your whole life revolves around the kids for those first 18, 20, or 30 years, whatever it is, because you might spread. Some of you guys had kids when they're, they're, like, you have a two-year-old and an 18-year-old. So you, know, you spread it out. So you're like, you're doing it for 30, 40 years, right? right? But let me tell you something. If, if your whole life revolves around them and then the day that you become an empty nester, and we see this all the time in our society, you're like, who are you? Like your spouse. Because the thing is, is for 20 years or 25 years, you gave your best and your first to your kids to the extent that when they left, you didn't have any intimacy. You didn't even really know each other. You became roommates rather than soulmates. That's what I'm talking about. And, and here's the thing I know. Children are, as in terms of raising them, they're a temporary assignment. Meaning for 18, 19, 20 years, unless you have a millennial, then it could be 30, 35 years. <laughs> kidding, millennials, kidding. Sort of, um, right? But, but they're a temporary assignment. Like, again, I love children. I love my girls. But you know what's going to happen to me someday? Not very long from now. Someday, <clears throat> they're going to leave me and hook up with some hairy-legged punk. 
I'm a little, I got a little bitterness about it right now, thinking about it. But that's what's going to happen. Can I get an amen, dads? We're going to do our best to scare them all off, but eventually one of them is going to stick around. And they're going to leave me for that guy. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to take his name. And then it's just going to be me and my main squeeze. <laughs> the second service I did like this, but I, I meant to do it like this. So she would. <laughs> and if I didn't work that right for those 20 years, it's going to be awkward. What do we do now? What do we talk about? What do we do? How do we go? We don't know how to go on vacation. We don't know how to go out and eat by ourselves. We don't know how to do anything by ourselves. That's not what you want. Trust me, that's not what you want. Next week, I'm going to tell you how to prioritize the marriage. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a blast with it. And it's probably not going to be 33 or whatever it is out there in Jerusalem, so it'll be great. Let me finish with just the men here real quick, just the men. What I want to tell you is you take the lead in protecting the priorities of your house. Don't leave that to your wife. If you're married, don't leave that to your wife. Like, God put it inside of you to be a protector. Like, just go with me for a minute. Like, if you're at your house right now and somebody comes up in your house at night, like, I don't care if you're in your tidy whities or whatever you got going on, you're coming at those dudes or those, whoever it is. You're gonna, you, like, in my house, I got weapons all through the house, right? Come on, every room, don't come into this room because I got a golf club for you in this one. Over here, I got a gun. Over here, I got a big knife. Over here, I got a baseball bat, but I will take you out. You may take me out, but I'm taking you with me, right? Because I'm not letting any harm come to my family if I can stop. Stop it, right? Because that's put it, God put that in us, man. But let's don't let it stop at the physical protection of our kids and our families and our, and our wives. Let's make sure that we protect the priorities. Let's, have an, let's say, hey, look, babe, we haven't been on a vacation together by ourselves since that thing came into this house. <laughs> look at that. It's wrecked our whole vibe, man. I'm going to get into all that next week. I don't, want to, I don't want to spoil it. but Like some of y'all haven't been on a date. You're like, well, they'll cry. So they'll cry for a few minutes and then they'll stop. They'll get over it, man. They were made to cry. They come out crying. Come on, think about it. Like you didn't start as, well, don't let them cry. You love that they're crying. What happened? Let them cry. Go on and have a good meal. Chick-fil-A, whatever you got money for. God's into Chick-fil-A. It's a Christian place, man. I'll talk about that next week. Fellas, here's what God's given you the responsibility for. To lay down your life for Christ and to lay down your life for your wife. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as in the same way that Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do on the cross? He gave himself up for the church, for you, for me. Paul comes along and says, hey, fellas, live Jesus gave you your example. Give it up for your wife. Can I get a good amen, ladies in the house? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, even if people disagree with what I've just said, I pray that you would just leave it in our hearts to think about it, to consider it, to work on it, to be be in tune with what you might want to say to us, to be in tune with what you might have for us, God. Lord, that we, maybe we need to rearrange priorities. Maybe if we're, if, we're, if we're not married, we think about you are our number one. I'm gonna put my energy into trying to be ready if, if, if the day comes where you're gonna send me somebody. But I wanna be the kind of person, I'm gonna work on being the kind of person that the p- kind of person I'm looking for is looking for. But in the meantime, you are my number one. And God, if we're married, we put our energy and our focus and our time really thinking about how we honor our wife, we honor our husband, 
put them first in terms of our human relationships. We make sure that our marriage is healthy and strong and whole if it's possible. We thank you for this. We pray over everybody, over every family. Lord, we know that the enemy would love to destroy our families. This is why we carve out three weeks uh, to, to teach about this, that he would love to devour our marriages and our homes and our relationships with our kids and our families. God, we just, we're here to stand in the gap, Lord, as a church, as pastors, God, as leaders, to stand in the gap and say, hey, we're gonna come alongside of people. And Lord, Lord, there, there are single parents who are here today who are doing their very best, God, and we just honor them. We celebrate who they are and the hard work that they're putting in. And God, we just want them to know that we come alongside of them, Lord, and we're here to help and support in any way we can, God. But we celebrate them today, Lord. And we don't, I don't always understand all the struggles that they have, but Lord, I know how hard it can be. But we celebrate the amazing efforts that they're putting in to raise godly children. And they're doing it, God. They're making it happen. And we just celebrate what they're doing. We just thank you for it. And we pray your blessings over all of them. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen, amen.